117. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so man, coming in on the home home stretch of Ezekiel, literally today and tomorrow, and we'll be done with the major prophets. And so, um, man, Ezekiel is closing in, and you know, he's going to talk about this vision he has like he's been doing. And this is the longest vision in the Bible after the book of Revelation. Right. So after the book of Revelation, uh, this is the longest vision in the Bible. And he's going to spend eight chapters talking about what he sees, uh, this vision he sees of a new temple. Now, remember last week in the days leading up to this, God had spoken to Ezekiel about prophecies of restoration, <clears throat> restoration. And his people was like, he was like, yo, I'm going to give them new hearts. I'm going to give them new spirits. They're going to experience forgiveness of sins and they would be united and they would experience resurrection and all these great blessings that God would shower on them. And here, <clears throat> watch this, here he shows the way in which God will be with them, right? Through his new temple that would be built. Now, remember that the first temple had been destroyed in 586 BC. So years after this, before they had come back from exile, temples destroyed and Ezekiel receives this vision that he's to relay to the people of God. And one of the things we're going to see in chapter 40, at least, is that these specific details that Ezekiel is going to give, he's going to give a ton of details in 40, 41 and 42. Um, these specific details mirror those that were given in the back half of the book of Exodus. So if you were with us in Exodus 25 to 40, you remember it was a bunch of scrupulous details about the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was this portable uh, type of dwelling place for God where the people of God will actually carry it through the wilderness. Right. And um, it, but it still represented uh, God's presence with God's people. And, um, you know, so here you're going to get this very detailed instruction of the outer and inner gates and all this different stuff. You will also find that Ezekiel uh, sees that, you know, sacrifices and offerings will be offered up. And his main point is one. So one, this is very symbolic. Ezekiel is living in a, in a place in time like all of us do. And he is trying to make sense of his experience in light of terms and concepts he already knows. And so uh, the main thing he's trying to say, though, is that this place that will be prepared for the dwelling place of God is about holiness, right? That this is holy space. This space is sacred space. And um, one of the things that uh, was was present in the uh, ancient Near East and the culture of the time is that there were spaces that were marked out as sacred space and that you could not defile them. And so when we remember uh, earlier in the book of Ezekiel, they had defiled this sacred space. And that's why God was so upset and he departed from the temple. 41, chapter 41 is more the same. And so uh, you're going to see, again, these architectural terms and they're difficult to define uh, in many ways. And, and scholars have debated about it. But uh, the general theme you see is that this temple that is going to be rebuilt is very, very strikingly similar to Solomon's temple. Right. And this combination of detailed measurements and uh, much scarce uh, information about the furnishings and things like that. Uh, it shows that once again, Ezekiel's primary concern was the marking off of sacred space. He wasn't trying to provide a construction plan right for you and us to follow to worship god he's just saying that no people will be able to worship god in this place one of the things you're going to see is um these cherubim 
and cherubim were like these flying angelic beings uh, that usually were always in the presence of God. So I've said this before, but if you remember the tabernacle, uh, they were built into the fabric uh, of the tabernacle, the cherubim, uh, they also were present in the garden, right? So God was with his people in the garden and you said, and, and you saw that the cherubim were there. And so every time you see those, uh, in the scripture, know that those are signals, uh, towards, uh, the presence of God. And they even showed up earlier in the book of Ezekiel as well. 42 comes more details, right? So we just get more details on top of details on top of details. And so he talks about, you know, earlier, um, just how, you know, the people of God or the temple of God um, uh, was this main building. And now he's talking about these other buildings where the priests would actually store uh, their clothing and their equipment to perform their sacrifices and, and do their duties before the Lord's presence. Um, and so he's going to talk about these buildings here. And so once again, we don't just have, you know, the temple itself being restored, but the functions and, and the practices that went on within it. We have the priesthood being restored so much so that. You know, he's going to talk about Zadok, the priest in chapter 40, who was the priest in the time of David. And so from 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 Zadok's line, uh, he descended from the tribe of Levi, all that kind of stuff. And from Zadok's line, though, we would see uh, that these priests would come. And there was even debate uh, later about yeah who the priest would be in the second temple, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, the point is this. Zadok was the priest under David. And so our mind should be triggering. Right. Jesus comes from the line of David. And so this Davidic kingship has to be prominent along with the priesthood in this new temple as well, which leads us to 43. The text has been building up to this major climax. And here it is. He led me to the gate, the one that faces east. And I saw the glory of God of Israel coming from the east. His voice sounded like the roar of a huge torrent and the earth shone with his glory. For the glory of the Lord entered the temple, wow, by way of the gate that faced east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. God's glory fills the temple. That's Ezekiel's point. God's glory here. Now, God's glory is here in this sense is a manifestation of his presence in which he reveals himself to his people. Right. God's glory here. Is a manifestation of his presence in which he reveals himself to his people. If you are a Christian and you're listening to this today, you have come into contact with the glory of God. Right. Remember in chapters 10 and 11 of Ezekiel, the glory had departed. God's glory departed from his temple. Right. And in chapters 40 to 42, we see this huge discussion about space and the layout of that space. And here in 43, we see the filling of this space. Now, a little history. History always gives us context for where we are. You fast forward to 536 BC, which is years after this. Israel returns to their homeland out of exile. God said, I'll bring you all out of exile. They come back. Prophecy is fulfilled. They rebuilt the temple. Right. And they finish around 516 B.C. Takes them about 20 years, 20 some odd years, you know, get the temple back. Right. Boom, boom, boom. They they fix the temple. Now they do it just as they are commanded. But, you know, what does not happen? If you remember in Ezra and Nehemiah, what does not happen is the glory of the Lord does not come down. Why? Why? Well, the Bible is trying to tell us that this wasn't the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy. Do you know what was? We open up to the New Testament. John chapter one. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
John chapter one. And you know what we have? Jesus comes and the scripture says this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've been talking all this time about God dwelling with his people. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter one will say uh, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Right. So he's saying, in other words, God is dwelling among us in John chapter one. According to John. And then he says this. We observed his glory. This is John one, verse 14. And he's like, yo, the glory we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Amazing. Right. So in other words, the fulfillment of this prophecy comes in the coming of Jesus. And you go to John chapter two. How do I know you go to John chapter two and you know what it brings up? Jesus says, yo, I am the temple. You destroy this temple talking about his body and I will raise it up in three days. Listen, the destruction and reconstruction of the temple ultimately points to Christ's death and resurrection. Right. As the true temple and dwelling place of God, Christ would die and then he would rise from the grave. God would rebuild everything he tore down. And do you know why Christ died and resurrected? Do you know why Christ died and resurrected? Ultimately, it was so that we could be with God. Our holy, our sinfulness has separated us from God. Our sinfulness cannot dwell in the presence of God's holiness. And Christ comes as the temple. He's torn down. He's rebuilt again so that we could be with God, right? So that we could be his people and he could be our God. One of my favorite quotes in the world by a theologian named J.I. Packer goes like this. Communion between God and man is the end to which both creation and redemption are the means. It is the goal to which both theology and and preaching must ever point. It is the essence of true religion. It is indeed the definition of Christianity. Man, it's so beautiful to know that God wants to be with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, your word points to union and communion with you. God, we pray that you would teach us what that means to be in relationship with you, to know you, to spend eternity with you. Help our eyes to be fixed on that reality.